Well, you know, history is really an interpretation of what happens. So they're not really just facts straight. So we have to retell the story. You know that that is what they did at the Passover, telling the story on over to the children in an accurate way. So we need warts and all to tell this truthful story about that past and how God liberates and frees both the oppressed and the oppressors. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Devon Dick, a Baptist pastor in Jamaica. I had a chance to sit down with him during the Baptist World Alliance's annual gathering in July in the Bahamas. At that gathering, Devon gave a presentation about the case for reparations for slavery. So we're going to talk a little bit about his presentation and his arguments in this interview, as well as just the work of Baptists in Jamaica, which has a fascinating and rich history, and some of his ministry at the local and community level. So here's my conversation with Devon Dick of Jamaica. First of all, Devon, thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you, Brian, for having me. It's exciting to be here with you in the Caribbean. I know we're not in Jamaica, but the the last time the BWA was in the Caribbean, it was in Jamaica, and I was at that meeting, and it was a fantastic experience. I learned a lot about Jamaican Baptist, and we've had Aaron Henry on the program before, and he's talked a little bit about the history and the role of Baptist in, in Jamaica. And so let's start there, and then I want to move to the conversation of reparations that you've presented on here at this BWA meeting. But for those who aren't familiar with Jamaica and Jamaica Baptist, and I'm talking about Jamaica that isn't just the resort side of Jamaica, can you introduce us to the the rich heritage of Baptist in your island nation? Well, Baptist work started in Jamaica about 1783 when George Lyon and formerly enslaved American came to Jamaica and started the work there. The work grew under his leadership. <clears throat> the first, this was the first successful ministry to persons of African origin. But it grew so much that he invited British Baptists to Jamaica to help with the work. When George Lyle was in America, he fought on the side of the British. So it was natural that he would invite British Baptists. He was mm-hmm. comfortable with them. And the British Baptists have done some outstanding work, people like William Nibb and James Philippo. But there were also a negative side to the British Baptists in that there was racial prejudice against people of African origin. So the British Baptists would allow a black person to be second in command, but not in command, or 
they would be in charge in deep rural areas, but not in cities. And they claimed that these people were not intelligent enough. They didn't go to a seminary to learn Greek. So there was a split. And Native Baptists came out of that, started about 1837. And they managed the organization, they were a missionary organization, even before the British Baptists sending people out. But eventually, after the 1865 protest led by Paul, a national hero, Paul Bogle was a Baptist pastor. They were amalgamated into the, what we now call the Jamaica Baptist Union. The Jamaica Baptist Union and the Baptists in general have been seen as leading advocates, advocates against slavery. That is our heritage. We are also big in establishing high schools. Along. Anglicans also have a good number of high schools too. We are also known for what you would call good preaching and social activism in Jamaica. Yeah, I want to make sure that we, the date where George Lyle puts him before the Judsons, puts him before William Carey, that he is really the first in the modern missions movement of Baptists to move from one land to another. He hasn't right. always had that the the credit that he right. deserves in, in, in that time. And he was an ordained Baptist minister. Right, right. Who had started some churches in Georgia uh, right. before moving to, to Jamaica. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned, of course, Baptist and, and slavery in Jamaica. Sam Sharp was critical leader in, in ultimately what became... Sam Sharp was considered a deacon, but in a sense, he was in charge of an outstation. So he was like a pastor. They did not know any other spiritual leader apart from Sam Sharp. And he, he said that he'd rather die than live in slavery. And one of his great comments was that the white man should not oppress the black, nor should the black man oppress the white. So he believed in equality, which was way ahead of his time. You know? So he wanted the liberation of both the oppressed and the oppressors. And you are a pastor in Jamaica. Yeah. Yes, Boulevard Baptist Church in Kingston. Can you tell us a little bit about your local context that you minister in today? Boulevard Baptist Church is celebrating 50 years. In fact, just last week Sunday, last week Saturday, we buried the founding pastor, the Reverend Luther Gibbs. I've been the pastor since 1990, so it's about 29 years. So we have two pastors so far. Kingston has issues, primary issues, is with a high murder rate as a main problem. But it is a capital. So you have many opportunities in terms of commerce, and there's a political center, the cultural center, the economic center. So far, probably half of the population of the island will be found in Kingston. So it is a Great era for ministry and evangelism. And another aspect of your ministry is that you're a writer, which I, as a writer myself, I, I like that you have a column in your newspaper, secular newspaper, right? right so this is right. part of your your outreach to the, the, the broader community. And you, you cover a lot of really significant, challenging social, political issues in your column. Uh, I wonder if you talk about that side of your public ministry, public witness. I started a weekly column in 
1992, with the Sunday Herald. I've been writing with this uh, Gleaner from 1994. And coincidentally, come September of this year, I'll be publishing a collection of the columns under the headings of religion, sports, economics, heritage. You know, so we'll be looking at justice issues naturally. So yes, I've looked at, in other words, whatever is affecting the society, affecting, and affecting the church and how the church should impact the society so that the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that is really my, my goal, that we influence and transform the society for good so that there's equality and there's justice for all and everywhere. So that is my real passion. We'll be right back with the rest of this interview. But first, then you to note that this episode is also sponsored in part by the Social Justice Revival in Kansas City, Missouri. For our listeners in the Kansas City, Missouri area, I hope that you will mark your calendars for September 22nd. From 3 to 5.30 p.m. at First Baptist Church in Kansas City, there will be a Social Justice Revival featuring Shane Claiborne, prominent speaker, activist, and best-selling author. Come hear Shane speak at 3 p.m., and then there'll be many workshops by some local ministries that do poverty work, and then finally a Q&A with Shane. That's Sunday, September 22nd, 3 to 5.30 p.m. at First Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And so in that vein, and, in, and related to what we've already been talking about with slavery in Jamaica, here at the Baptist World Alliance annual gathering in the Bahamas, you presented in the meeting of the Mission Commission a paper looking at justice as mission, and particularly focusing on the topic of reparations related to slavery. I wanted to ask you to unpack that for us, because I really enjoyed your presentation and found it insightful. And so I wonder if you could help us, I'm not going to ask you to do your whole paper, but you know, give us the, a little bit of, of, first of all, maybe we should start with biblical side of reparations, because right. some, sometimes we don't read those texts in right. the way that you have been showing those. Well. When you look at the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 15, it states that if you are releasing an enslaved person, they should not go empty-handed. That's there. We have seen that where there is gross violation, there must be, you want to call it restitution or reparation. So you cannot just pretend as if nothing happened after some gross offense. It's not saying every time you steal a mango or so forth. We're talking about gross violation, enslaving a person, abusing the person, using their talents, their time for your economic advantage. There should be reparation. So you see that in the text, in the Old Testament. And you look at the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who was representative of, of an oppressive taxation system, in addition to the oppressive taxation, he was defrauding the people. And he said, when after the encounter with Jesus, that I will give half of my wealth to the poor. I mean, the wealth that he acquired legitimately. And so that can be seen as what? Charity or aid, which is what all Christians should do who have wealth, to share with others. But he also added another component. He said, those that I have defrauded I'll repay them four times. That is restitution. That is reparation. So the Bible speaks to reparation, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
and it was Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. The only issue could therefore be what happened under British colonial slavery? Does it qualify for reparation? Because we have already established that reparation, restitution is biblical and required. Did it qualify? Based on gross violation, the length of slavery, the brutality of slavery, the physicality of slavery, the gross, what you would say, the United Nations would call violations of humanitarian law, it is justified. Furthermore, based on the fact that the planters were compensated. And I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to stress that. When the British ended slavery, well, and there was an apprenticeship, and maybe maybe you should explain what happened in Jamaica, because it was a little bit different than when slavery in the United States. Right. So there was an apprenticeship time period, but then those who had been enslaving were compensated. 20 million pounds. And to adjust that to inflation would be a pretty penny. And but the enslaved got no money, no housing, no land, no school. There was no structure for them to vote, no political rights, no civil rights. How can that be? If the planters got compensation, the enslaved should also have received compensation. So on, on that foundation also, the, the interesting title that I used for the lecture was God has done us an injustice. Because James Beard, a Methodist class leader, when they required of him to do apprenticeship system to prepare him for freedom, four years of apprenticeship system, which was used by the planters to get out the last amount of labor out of the people. So sometimes it was even more oppressive than slavery because under slavery, they were trying to protect their property and their property interests. They know that in four years time, they're gonna lose you, get everything that they can get. So he asked the question of a special magistrate or a Christian. Did God require that they them to be in an apprenticeship system. And the man said, yes. And he said, what about the Israelites? The Israelites did not have to serve an apprenticeship system before they were freed. And was that what God ordained? And he said, yes. So he said, and God would have done us an injustice if the Israelites, and we are now the new Israel, the Israelites didn't have to go through an apprenticeship period to prepare for freedom. Why should they have to go through it? But what he was doing, he was very smart. He was really mocking their understanding of God because God is a God of justice and would not have required them a time period to prepare them for freedom because it's natural. People want to be free, so you don't have to prepare them for freedom. You know, so that is a point also that even based upon the apprenticeship system that they have to undergo, there should be some compensation. Yeah, as you noted in your, your presentation, that, uh, and you were just saying now that he was kind of mocking their sense. He wasn't calling God unjust. What he was calling unjust was their concept, their concept of God. God. Yeah. You know, the, the master's concept of God was yes. unjust, not God, but that God is a God of justice. And so then that leads us to this conversation of reparations today. Right. All right. So what do you hope will happen then as you're raising this conversation here? Uh, and I know that there was an attempt to offer a resolution to deal with the topic of reparations, and that has been 
put on the table with the promise of a conversation to come. But what do you think based on, all right, we, we've got the biblical case. We have the look at the specific system of slavery. So now what's next? What are you I, calling? I probably should give one more example. Yeah. That compensation has been done to the Jews for the Holocaust. Canada, up to recently, for the original members. So it, we, we do this. It happens, compensation, years later. So we shouldn't put stipulation and say that it's too long ago. And in any case, these Caribbean islands became independent within the last 50 years. Bahamas is just 46 years old. So they were part of the British colonial system still because the head of state is the Queen of England, you know. So it's not so far so we removed. The, the 46th anniversary is today for exactly the Bahamas. Today, and the Governor Bahamas. General, the Queen's representative, overseeing the festivities for this otherwise independent nation. And they call the opposition Her Majesty's loyal opposition. It's crazy. It, it is really crazy. The, the dregs of that oppression is still with us. And, you know, how we treat each other, the self-hate, the black and black violence, the bleaching, trying to lighten skin color, because it's see it as a way of advancing. All are part of the psychological war and what is left of the remains of the enslavement period. So we need now to have a conversation where the church should lead this reparation. Because the secular, you have secular voices talking. But I want the church and the church worldwide coming together, just like what they did in slavery. British Christians and Jamaican Christians and other places work together. So it's not just an agitation of those who are victims, but all those who are beneficiaries must, and are Christians in their country must sit down together and say, this is a just cause. There needs to be an apology. There needs to be a repentance. There needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be restitution. There needs to be reparation so that, hey, we are global as Christians and we are without borders. So we, uh, sometimes it's, we don't recognize what is us accidental history where we were born. We didn't determine that. We didn't select that. So going to all the world, the whole world belongs to God. So we don't have to see us this country against other countries, just to say, no, ah, the resources are there. Some persons benefited more than others. How do we know? Reallocate it. How can we make a system? How can we? That's why that's the principle and powers. It's not flesh and blood, or something like you can see and taste and touch. It's the structures and systems that are evil, whether it is apartheid, racism, um, sexism, whatever ism that is not of God. And we have to deal with it. Reparation is just one of them. One of the people at the, your presentation today asked future steps. What are some things that could be done? Particularly, he was asking for those in Great Britain and, as well as other countries that... Well, as I said to you, know, I believe that it is really anti-democratic for at this stage in of our history to have colonies, dependencies, and departments. And it is across the board. Capitalist countries do it. Communist countries do. So you have China, Russia, you have the United States, UK, have independences in this day and age. Colonial, colonial power, 
Israel colonizing Palestinians. No. This is not proper. Let everybody be independent. Yeah, you mentioned the, the ending of colonies, which which there are U.S. And, and Great Britain both have here in the in the Caribbean. You also mentioned, and I, this is the one I wanted to to bring up as well, in addition to the several points you you've made here, is you talked about we need to be honest and tell the full history. So I wanted to give you a chance to re- to flesh that out for us because you you mentioned you know statues you mentioned, but even within our churches and our unions, how can we be more honest, more open about the history? and how mission and mission efforts and slavery were so often intertwined. Yeah. yeah, we 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 as Christians should not think that we are pure and perfect. And even now we benefit from the unjust economic system because we get certain privileges. Yeah. Many persons cannot stay at a hotel like this. Many persons, their salaries, this would be just a stay like this even for three days as a salary for the whole year. So we are beneficiaries of an unjust system, income inequality. The church has benefited also from slavery because some of the lands that we have, we trace it, and you're talking about Southern Baptists and so forth. So when you do the historical research. And so those things have to be told because sometimes history, well, you know, history is really an interpretation of what happens and not really just facts straight. So we have to retell the story. You know that that is what they did at the Passover, telling the story on over to the children in an accurate way. So we need warts and all to tell this truthful story about that past and how God liberates and frees both the oppressed and the oppressors. And oh, that's another yeah. reason I've written two books already. And it is to tell the story from the perspective of a native Baptist in Jamaica and what the church has contributed and their weaknesses too. So we have to, at all times, be retelling the story and reliving it. Because that's what the Lord supposes, not just a historical head thing, but you are in the moment. You, you, you. Crisis present. Is there a book or resource that you would want to point listeners to, to, to learn more about some of these, these issues of justice and reading scripture through a lens of justice? Well, my second book, The Cross and the Machete, The Native Baptist of Jamaica, Ministry, Identity and Legacy, did exactly that. The major point of the book was that scholars in the past made it out as if Samsha, Paul, Bogle, George, William Gordon, all Baptists and all national leaders, that they had violent intentions, murderous intentions. But my argument was that all that happened was that they interpreted the Bible differently and understood God differently from the missionaries. So they believe that based on their understanding of God and interpretation of it, that they can protest injustices and inequalities. The missionaries are just saying, oh, be hard working, be honest, um, whatever lot you are in, be comfortable. They believe in transforming society and transforming persons. So their 
hermeneutical key was a key of justice. So when they were reading Psalms, they looked out for the parts that dealt with justice and appropriated to their condition and said that God is on their side and they are instruments of God. So that was the major point of the book. And the two major themes of quality before God based on we made an image of God and justice for all, justice everywhere. That's a good book to start at. Right. It was my it came out of my PhD, which I did at the University of Warwick in the United Kingdom. They had they were a religion department there, but they had Caribbean studies. So well, thank you so much for your time with us and for what you're doing here, raising conversation and for your both your local ministry and your public ministry in Jamaica. We were talking earlier and I have actually read a few of your columns online thank and you. been impressed by them. So I just thank you for all that you're doing and for spending time with us. And thank you for having me, providing this forum on the work that you are doing to and your openness to tackle all issues without fear and favor. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about the Baptist World Alliance at bwanet.org. As always, you can find us at wardenway.org. Don't forget about our sponsoring partners for this week's episode. You can find the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. And on Sunday, September 22nd from 3 to 5.30 p.m. at First Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, you can find the Social Justice Revival featuring Shane Claiborne. If you have any comments or feedback about this week's episode, you can send them to me at bkaler at wardenway.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform to write a positive review to help more people to find the show. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. And if you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. All you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button, and whatever you give there will help the production of this podcast as well as our website and monthly magazine. Thanks for listening.